Yeah, well, God bless you for being here this morning, and uh, looking forward to this. Um, yeah, I find this um, just a little bit different here this morning. Now, Sam had the children up for Sam had the children up for singing, and I was planning to have the children up for the first part of this message this morning. So. Do the children mind coming up again? Do you mind that? Children mind coming up again? You know what? If you'd come up here and you'd sit where you, where you did the other time, that would really make things easy, wouldn't it? Could you come up? Your children, children are welcome to come up. I'd just like to have you up here for the first part of the message. Um, I'm not going to keep you up here the whole time, so, yeah. I have... Um, I have been involved in our school for a number of years, and so I, um, I enjoy talking with children. Um, you know, if children get bored, if children get bored, they don't fall asleep. You know that? If children get bored, they don't fall asleep. They, they get a little restless, you know, so... Um, that's one of the fun things about talking to children. They usually don't fall asleep, so... Yeah, okay. All right, your children want to look up here just a little bit. I brought about nine, ten, nine or ten different things here this morning. So, a um, uh, number of object lessons. So, we have milk, and I have some money, and water, and honey, and I have this. I brought this along, too. We're not going to be using this anyway this morning, so, right? Yeah, so I brought an anchor. Run an anchor along, and a mirror. Um, I have a lamp, a lamp, uh, some food, some seeds, and a hammer. Okay. Now, I should be standing down here, shouldn't I? Um, let's let's use uh, lamp first. Okay. So let's use the lamp first. So now, all of the things I have up there are like something, are like one thing, okay? All of the things I have up there are like one thing. So I want you to guess what this one thing is that all of those things might be like. Somebody want to guess? What are all of these things like? They're like one thing. Guess. Guess. You want to guess? Oh, say it anyhow. Yeah, you are right. Yeah, you're right. It's like the Bible. It's like the Bible. Okay. And so, while you're here, uh, when, when you're here up front here this morning, so I want to talk about the lamp, and I want to talk about milk, and then you can go back to your parents again, okay? I want to talk about lamp and talk about milk. So let's think about the lamp. You want to try it? You know how to turn this on? How do you turn it on? Huh? Whoa, there you go. Yeah, that turn, you just pull it apart and it turns on. Yeah. On the, on the box it says, this will shine for a mile. 
Think it would shine for a mile? You know, you know, if I was lost in the woods some night, I don't think I would want this a mile away to, see my, to, to find my way, would you? You wouldn't want this a mile away to find your... So, okay, so we have a lamp. Um, a light? So how is the Bible like a light? How is the Bible like a light? How is the Bible like a lamp? Hmm? Does the Bible make light like a lamp does? Huh? Go ahead. Okay, it does. The Bible helps us find our way to heaven. That is, that is a wonderful idea. The Bible helps us find our way to heaven, and the Bible helps us when, we, when we're in the dark, right? Well, you know, we live in a, in a very, very dark world. Now, we can, it's light outside, so it's daylight, so we can see, but, you know, the world has lots of sin and wickedness and lots of evil. And evil is darkness, isn't it? Evil is darkness. And so we need the Bible. We need the Bible to help us find our way in a dark world. And if we don't have a light, and we don't have anything to guide us, guess what? If you're walking in a dark world, it's very easy to get lost, isn't it? Or maybe you can find, uh, or maybe you'll be walking along and you will stumble and you will hurt. We, you will get hurt. And so finding, uh, having a light is really, really important. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word gives us light so we can find, find our way in life. Just as we turn the lamp on, the lamp doesn't seem to make very much light in here, does it? But if it was really, really dark, it would make a big difference. Yeah, it would make a big difference. The Bible gives us guidance, gives us direction. Uh, the Bible lights the road marks along the road. The Bible marks the road lights. And the Bible also gives us, tells us where the dangers are in life. And so having the Bible is very, very important for us. So if you have the Bible... If you have the Bible, what do you need to do with the Bible if it's, if, it's, if it's to give you light? If you want the Bible to give you light, what do you need to do with the Bible? Huh? Go ahead. Pardon? Read it. Yeah, you need to read it. You need to read it. So reading the Bible is very, very important. Very important. So, you know, for, you, for your children... For your children, one of the best things that you can do to find your way in life, to get a good start in life, is to read the Bible. It's to read the Bible. And so reading the Bible is very, very important. And we'll be talking a little bit about Bible reading here a little bit later. Okay, so let's think about milk. So, all of us like, we probably all like milk, don't you? You like to drink milk? Drink milk? Yeah, I like milk. Yeah, I like to drink milk. Um, who, who in your family 
would um, live on only milk for a while. Who in your family lives on only milk? Your mom and dad? Huh? Your mom and dad have only milk? Who, who in your family might have only milk for a while? Huh? Go ahead. Babies, yeah. Babies. I want to read a couple of verses. Uh, I don't know where I did. What did I do with my Bible? Okay. I want to read a couple of verses from the Bible having to do with milk. And I want you to think about this a little bit. I want you to think about this a little bit. And think about what these verses might tell us about milk. So milk is great for babies, right? But your, your, your mom and dad don't, don't come to the supper table with a bottle, do they? Right? Well, they shouldn't, anyhow. They shouldn't. Okay, so here it says, For when for a time you ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, what's the verse saying? What does that verse say? What, does, what is the writer saying to these people about milk? Think about it. Okay, so he says, he says the writer says that um, you shouldn't need milk anymore, but because you maybe didn't grow the way you should, you're still needing milk. It's the, this verse is actually talking about some Christians. And so now we're thinking about the Bible as being milk. This verse is actually talking about Christians that um, have been Christians maybe for a long time, and they're still needing milk. So it's like your little baby brother or your little baby sister. So they drink milk, you know, maybe mostly milk for the first year. But if your little brother or sister would need only milk, would only be drinking milk after he's like five years old or ten years old, you would say what? Hmm, something wrong, isn't it? They're only drinking milk. They're not eating anything else. They're only drinking milk. There's something wrong. There's something wrong somewhere. And so Paul, well, the writer is telling the people that there's some Christians in your church and they should be drinking or they should be eating solid food, but they're still drinking milk. They're still drinking milk. Verse 13 says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat is, belongeth to them that are of a full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we grow in our Christian lives, we should be getting away from the milk, okay? Not, not getting away from the Bible, but getting away from the milk from the Bible. And so, you know, milk from the Bible might be a little like um, uh, listening to Bible stories. You listen to Bi you like Bible stories, don't you? Yeah. Milk from the Bible might be a little like listening to Bible stories, but not really learning anything from them. You think that's good? To listen to a Bible story and not learn anything? No. And so, for a little child, sometimes just listening to Bible stories is good. But as we grow older, when we listen to Bible stories, we should also be learning something from the stories, right? 
we should be learning something from the stories. So think about, think about learning from the Bible stories that you hear and you read. Think about learning from those. Okay, I'll let the, we'll let the children go back again to their parents, and then we will um, continue uh, looking at some of these illustrations. So you can go back to your parents again, and uh, thank you for coming. Uh, you had to come up twice this morning, didn't you? And most times you don't even come up once, right? Okay. All right. I'd like to continue on this milk theme just a little bit. And, um, you know, um, so Paul is telling the Hebrew, the Christians there, that there's, there comes a time in your Christian life when you outgrow milk, right? You should outgrow milk. You should learn to take on solid food. And uh, Paul says in that passage, he says, you should, be, you should be teachers. So if you're going to be a teacher, guess what? You're going to have to have more than just Bible stories. You're going to have to chew on something from the Bible that is like food, okay? And so if you want to be a teacher, so Paul is saying, you're, all, you're not being teachers. You should be chewing on some solid food so you can be teachers, I find it so interesting that, you know, a baby, needs, a baby needs everything. You know, a baby would not survive long without, um, without some help. So they need to be fed, they need to be cleaned, they need to be washed, they need to be carried, and so on. They need to be loved. Uh, babies are a lot of work, a lot of care, a lot of uh, time goes into taking care of babies. I think Paul is telling us there's a time in our Christian lives when that might be kind of normal for a, a, a baby, a Christian baby, okay? But I believe we need to outgrow that stage, okay? So, and I, and I, think, this is, I think this is really something that we should be thinking about as we think about church life, we think about interacting with other people. There comes a time when we go from being care receivers to being caregivers, right? Yeah. So if you've been a Christian for a number of years and you're still a care receiver, there's something wrong. You should be going to being a caregiver. You look at a child's life, uh, you look at a, the life of a person, so say a person lives for 80 years, only the only the first part, like the first year of his life, or maybe the first years, are needed as care receivers. But, you know, I, um, uh, even in our own family, we had four children, and, and uh, you know, sometimes it seems like this caregiving is endless. But now, our youngest one is 30-some years old, and you know what? We look back and we say, wow, the caregiving didn't really last that long after all. But it should be that way in our Christian lives. The caregiving or the care-receiving stage in our Christian life should not last long. It shouldn't be long, you know. We should soon be able to go from care-receivers to caregivers. 
and not be like high maintenance kind of people. And so that's pretty important for church life, isn't it? Huh? Ask the ministers here if that's important for church life. Yeah, they'll all tell you. That's great. Have, have caregivers in your church and not just a lot of care receivers. And so milk is good for babies, but we, we should very quickly outgrow our need for milk. We should very quickly outgrow that. And so, now there's another part of milk that comes through here in uh, 1 Peter that I think is um, also interesting. And this is a little, a little uh, different kind of an idea coming through. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, um, it says... Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, as newborn babies, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. A little different side of milk coming through here. And so, if you're familiar with taking care of children or babies, you know when they need something to eat, they let you know very quickly. They let you know very quickly, and they're not, you know, most times they're pretty intense about that. And they're pretty demanding about, you know, I need milk. I need something to eat. And I believe um, Peter is using that analogy here in this passage to say that we as Christians, just like a baby is almost demanding to get its milk, so we as Christians should also be concentrating on getting the milk or the Bible that we need. So, okay, let's go. Okay, I'm just going to work through some of these um, ideas here. So, solid food, I brought a banana along for solid food. So, uh, I, I would consider a banana a fairly healthy kind of food, although most bananas are imported, and I don't, you know, I kind of, you know, so whatever about imported food, but anyhow. Um, but a banana is a fairly uh, good, healthy kind of food. And, um, but I believe that, I believe as we think about uh, solid food, there's actually a verse in 1 Corinthians that I'd like to read in connection with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 um, Verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, whereunto you were not able to bear it, neither, neither yet now are ye able. And so solid food is very important for us. And we should be looking at solid food. But we should also be thinking about the kind of solid food that we're eating. Okay? So banana is fairly healthy. But think about the implications of a, of, a, of a diet of junk food. Think about the implications of a, di- a diet of junk food, and we would all say, well, junk food, that's not good. You know, we shouldn't be, well, we like it a little, but, you know, you shouldn't, like, eat it all the time. And so think about junk food. Um, and there's, and, I, and I'm telling you that our, our, our world system is bent on getting you junk food. You agree with that? 
our world system is bent on getting us junk food. And if you're a Christian today, and you're just kind of coasting along in your Christian life, and you don't really have some of these disciplines in your life, guess what? You'll probably be on a diet of junk food. You'll probably be on a, gi- a diet of junk food. And so it is very, very important. I consider videos. I consider video games and even some of the news and sports and some of this emphasis that we have on money to be junk food. I consider that junk food. If you want, if you want to grow in your Christian life, you will not grow on junk food, on videos and so on. I don't think so. Well, you might say, well, you're old school, you know, so you're, uh, you've, been in the, you've been preaching for 31 years, so, you know, you have some strange ideas today. Well, I'm going to talk about some of these strange ideas a little bit later here yet, too. But I believe that we need to think about what we eat. There was a um, song we used to sing, a children's song many years ago. I don't know if you all sing this song yet or not. It talks about a computer. Your mind is like a computer. Your mind is a computer that daily you must feed. What comes in is what goes out. Yeah, yeah what comes in is what goes out. You can't expect a victorious, wonderful Christian life if you're not willing to put in some good food. Put some good food in your life. And so take the Word of God and use it as good food. I also brought some honey. I brought some honey and also honey and money, right? <laughs> gold, and, gold and honey. So um, Psalm uh, 19, uh, verses 9 and 10. i just turn to those. Read those verses yet to Psalm, Psalm 19, 9 and 10. And um, if you hear me preach at Peckway sometimes, you will hear that I like to hear rustling pages when I'm preaching. I like to hear rustling pages when I'm preaching. Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honey comes. So here we have the, God's word, God's word uh, compared to um, gold, money, and also honey. Um, Honey and money are both, you know, honey and money are both addicting. You know that? Honey and money are both addicting. Um, honey being something sweet. And so, yeah, I kind of have a sweet tooth too. So it's nice sometimes, you know, I need some. I, well, I just feel like I need something sweet. So that kind of goes against my junk food thing, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need something sweet. But money is addicting also. And people do lots of lots of really strange things to get money. Uh, sometimes even neglecting their families and neglecting other important things in life. They neglect things to be able to get money. And sometimes when they have money, they don't always know what to do with it. And so uh, the Bible is like um, honey and money in that it should be addicting for us. It should be addicting. It should be something that we kind of get hooked on. You know, and um, 
and something we want and something we crave. People uh, like to spend a lot of energy on um, money and sometimes even things that are sweet. All right, I'm going to have to keep going here. So um, we also, I also brought some seeds. I also brought some seeds. First uh, Peter chapter one verse twenty three. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Several years ago, there on the farm, I had um, so we got started planting cover crops. You know, so you plant cover crops in the fall, and then you know it helps your soil through the winter and all that. So I decided I'm going to raise my own cover crops. And so I, I put out a field of rye, and I had a combine come in, and they uh, combined the rye, and I put it in a wagon, and, you know, I was good to go. I had lots of cover crop to plant that fall. Well, well, I went to use the cover crop, and I didn't realize that it went into the, into the wagon with a little bit of moisture. Oh, Aaron's, Aaron doesn't like that idea, does he? <laughs> went in the wagon with a little moisture, and so... I had a guy come in, and he cleaned it, and we ran it through, you know, cleaned it, and got the weed seeds out and all this, and, hmm, a little, yeah, smelled a little funny, looked a little funny, oh, well, whatever. Well, I went to plant it. Aaron knows what happened when I planted that seed, right? I went to plant the seeds, and, and probably only like a fourth or a third of it grew. I had corruptible seed. I had corruptible seed. I had seed that was, you know, so it got moldy and, and it lost its life. It didn't live. It, it didn't reproduce. It didn't germinate. Here in our verse, it says, um, in the verse on, in 1 Peter, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Right? Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Well, when you plant the word of God in your life, guess what? It's always going to grow if you allow it to. If you have the fertile soil in your heart, and you put the word of God in your heart, and you put the word of God in your life, you, can have, the, you have the promise. It'll always grow. It'll always bring fruit. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing about God's Word. God's Word will always grow, will always produce a harvest. Uh, the verse, and I want to uh, refer to this passage again. Uh, the verse there in, in Isaiah 55, verse 11, it talks about, about uh, the Word of God not returning to us, to us void. Uh, the word void there is the, uh, and uh, Aaron talked about that this morning, the, ver the word void is empty. And we find the same word used in Genesis chapter 1 at the beginning where it talks about the earth being, being without form and void. The earth was uh, empty. And a proper understanding of Genesis chapter 1 is to put verse 1 into the creation week. The earth was without form and void, it was empty, and the rest of Genesis 1 talks about God filling the earth. And so, um, God's word will always bring fruit in our lives, and uh, so that's very important to understand that. 
God's word is also like water. God also, God's word is also like water. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Ephesians 5, 25, or 26, that verse is. Um, so we live in a world that is very dark and very sinful and very evil. But the water, the water of God's word can keep us clean. Can keep us clean. It's like cleansing that comes into our lives. And so the water from God's word will keep us clean. We need water for survival. And um, when they send all these little instruments and all these little go-karts and all these things to the other planets, they're always looking for water or evidences of water because if there's any form of water, which I think sometimes scientists almost imagine there's some water there, you know, they say, oh, maybe somebody lived there at one time. Maybe people inhabited this place at one time. There's water there, so we need water. We need water for survival. I also brought a um, machete. Um, use this as a sword. So Ephesians 16, uh, 6, verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword is interesting because if you look at the armor, the sword is very different than a helmet or a shield. The helmet and the shield is... They're made to protect yourself. But guess what? The sword is made to damage the enemy. The sword is made to damage the enemy. And so when we think about, when we think about our spiritual warfare and we think about um, being in a battle against Satan, we have something. God gives us something, which is his word. God gives us something that will damage the enemy. And so we want to use uh, God's word in that way. It's, it's a protection against Satan, and it's used differently than the, the shield or the helmet. And, uh, and I, God gives us resources to be able to do that, to be able to uh, inflict um, damage on the enemy. I also look, like to look at the fire, the fire and the hammer. So I just brought a little hammer today, and... A lighter, so think about, there it is, okay, fire and hammer. This comes from Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? We see fire as something that purifies. Um, uh, fire is used to purify gold and silver. Uh, it's used to in the process of making metal, it purifies the rock. And so fire is used to purify. Fire is also used to burn trash, can burn the bad stuff in our lives. Uh, it's also a source of warmth, a source of light. And so fire is very important for us today. A hammer is very important too. I had a stonemason friend, um, and I was watching him some years ago. He had well, he had, a, he had a much bigger hammer than this. So uh, I was watching him some years ago, and he would take a, you know, a stone, fairly good-sized stone, and he would take the stone, and he would turn it different ways, turn it over and look at it a little bit. And then he would take his, he would take his masonry hammer, and he would just tap that thing a couple times, and fall, fall in pieces, go in two pieces, you know. And so I tried that, and I was whacking on the, on the stone, you know, a long time, and all, all I got off of was a few chips, you know. 
But God's word is like the, is like the hammer from the stonemason. And God's word knows exactly where to hit to make the pieces. Yeah. He knows exactly where to hit to make the pieces. So God's word uh, is very important for us. God's word is, uh, can break up hard hearts, can break up sin. But God's word can also help, break us, help, help us break bad habits. It can help us break bad habits and enable us to live more godly lives in that way. We also have an anchor. We also have an anchor. Um, and if, if I would have a real anchor here, it would, it would, um, uh, part of it would be kind of shaped like this. But anchors were always made in such a way that you could drop them into the bottom of the, of the ocean, you know, so a ship would carry an anchor. You could drop it in the bottom of the ocean, and it didn't matter how it landed, it always caught on the, on the mud or the dirt in the bottom of the ocean. So you don't quite see that on here, but the way anchors were designed, they would, they would always you would drop them, and then they always get stuck in the bottom. I'm not sure. What, how did they get them up again? I'm not sure how they did that, but, um, but they uh, got stuck down in the bottom of the ocean, and so they worked in that way. Um, but you think about God's word as being an anchor for us, and I'm, I'm telling you, if there's ever been a day, if there's ever been a day that we need an anchor, I'm telling you, it is today. God's word will provide an anchor for you. And you think about our country, and you think about the world, and even think about some of the changes that have taken place in the last six months in our country. If you don't have an anchor, you're going to get bogged down with some of these things. If you don't have an anchor, you're going to get bogged down with it. And I, you know, sometimes, well, I, I, just, I just stopped, you know, looking at the news as much, I guess. But um, if you don't have an anchor, you will get lost in this turmoil and the changes that take place in our country today and in the world, you will get lost in that. Um, and um, sometimes even losing your way in your Christian life because you don't have that anchor of God's word anymore and you can't go there and see God working in the world today. You can't see God's working in the world today. And so an anchor is very, very important for us. God's, um, if you go back in Israel's history, God's promise to Abraham to give him a people, a land, a descendant who would bless the whole world was like an anchor for the, for the Jewish people. They could go back to that, and sometimes, you know, things came up in their country, different things came up in the country, but they could go back to that. And if you look at... Um, some of the uh, sermons in the early church, Stephen's sermon, Peter's sermon, they referred to some of these things from the Old Testament, promises that God had made for God's people in the Old Testament. And they said, this is, this is it. This is an anchor for us. This is something we can trust. Uh, God's promises, we can trust them, and we can live our lives accordingly. And so today, we really need an anchor we really need an anchor, something that we can stick down in the water and, 
it gets stuck in the bottom and keeps our ship from drifting, right? Keeps our ship from drifting. Well, I have one more thing here yet, a mirror. We have a mirror, and so we look at um, James chapter 1, verse 23. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass, or a mirror. Verse 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. We would say, that's foolish to use a mirror and then just not do anything about it, right? <laughs> you look at a mirror, well, look at a mirror in the morning. You know, right when you get up, look at a mirror. And, you know, you're not the, probably not the prettiest guy in the morning, you know. But we don't do anything about it. We just go the rest of the day without... And so uh, James is saying, that's like reading God's Word and, and having God show us something in His Word and then you, we just leave, we don't do anything about it. And we would say that's certainly a foolish thing to do, to, to, to do that. I believe that... Um, Bible reading is very, very important. I believe Bible reading is very important. But here's something I want you to think about. It is more important to read the Bible with a teachable spirit than it is with an open spirit. It is more important to read the Bible with a teachable mind than an open mind. When you teach somebody, and, um, you know, in school, we, I taught the Bible classes a number of years in school, so... You get the Bible class. When you teach a concept, you always build on what was there before. So you go through a Bible story with the children. You kind of build on maybe some other Bible stories that you had, or maybe the, maybe the Bible story is a continu continuation. But teaching is always building on something that you have known before. And so you make that connection with what was, the, what, what, with what was known before, and then you teach something new. And I think, that's a, I think that is the proper principle for Bible reading and Bible study. When you go and you study the Bible and you read the Bible with an open mind, you come also with an empty mind. And then anything can like, determine your out, outlook on this passage of Scripture. And so think about reading the Bible with a teachable mind. Um. Several months ago, we had a, a man from our church. He got up and had devotions one morning. And I was, this, this just really, really kind of made an impression on me. So he had a devotion one morning. And in the, in the devotions, he probably, he probably went back, I think he went back like 15 or 20 years. And he recalled statements and things that were said in sermons at our church, like 15 or 20 years prior to that. That was amazing to me. A lot of people can't remember from one Sunday to the next what was preached. But you, you think about that here. So here was a man, and apparently he had taken some notes, and he wasn't doing this by memory. He had taken some notes. But he went back and pulled up some of these notes and was able to look at that and say and, and give some of these ideas, you know. But how many of us 
go through a Sunday morning service and leave without one thing that we put in our pocket to take along with us to, to either learn or do. And you'd say, one thing, that's not very much. Yeah, that's not very much, one thing. But if you do one thing every Sunday, you'd have 52 things for the year. If you read your Bible every day, if you read your Bible every day, I think it's important to come to God in your Bible reading, in your Bible study, and say, God, just give me one thing today. And make a, make a note, make a note. But if you do that every day, guess what? You're going to have 365 things in a year. And in 10 years, you're going to have 3,600-something. You think that'll make a difference in your Christian life? It sure will. That'll make a big difference in your Christian life. In my years in the ministry, I've helped a number of people spiritually. People have come to me and they say, you know what, I'm not doing what I should in my Christian life. I'm, okay, I'm backslidden, you know. Maybe, maybe they respond to that um, uh, tent meetings or something, you know. And so I, I've, I've, um, I've uh, gone backwards in my Christian life and they'd like to have some help. I've never talked with someone like that who also said, I'm spending lots of time in the Bible every day. The two don't go together. You don't backslide in your Christian life when you're spending lots of time in the Bible every day. Those people have all told me my, my devotions is also lacking. So if we really want to get into God's word and we want, we want to grow in our Christian life, here, here's where it is. We, we, need to, we need to get into God's word and, and um, read it and study it with a teachable spirit. Now here's something, again, you're going to tell me I'm an old man, okay. And I realize, I understand that the message of God's word coming from your phone or coming from your computer is exactly the same as you have in the, in the Bible. Yeah, I realize that. It's the same. The same message. In school, I, went, I, had a, I, I did a sword drill with like third and fourth graders one year, a number of years ago. And I discovered that there were third and fourth graders, this is like 10-year-olds, in our school that were not able to find a book a chapter and a verse in the Bible. Now, I know, I know that, you know, so I'm not, I'm not computer illiterate, but almost. And so you'll tell me I'm an old man. Okay, that's fine. But I believe there's something to say about having Children growing up in our church and having a working knowledge of, of, the, of the book, of the Bible, not a working knowledge of the phone. Somehow it should be common knowledge in our, with the children growing up that our Bible begins with Genesis, it ends with Revelation, and Psalms is in the middle. And in my Bible class, I decided I'm, I'm really going to put some energy into this. And so we even went in as far. And so sometimes I would give a reference and these children were looking at the wrong end of the Bible for the, for the book. 
And they had no idea whether it was in the Old or New Testament. A 10-year-old, 12-year-old, to me, should have a, a little better working knowledge of the Bible. Is it possible, is it possible that with the electronic age that we are raising a generation of children that are Bible illiterate? So let's think about that a little bit. And I believe it's so important. And so when you have family devotions, get your children to bring their Bibles and be able to find the reference and find the passage of Scripture. They should know what's in the Old Testament and what's in the New Testament and even have a working knowledge of the books of the Old Testament as in the minor and the major prophets and the books of poetry and the books of history and so on. And... Um, you, you actually lose, you actually lose that when every time you want a reference, you can, you can uh, find it electronically or Googled or whatever, you lose that. And so I would say it's important. I would say it's important for children to grow up with a working knowledge of the Bible. I know, you know, for me this morning, when I was going through this message, it would have been easy and handier and quicker for me to have all my notes on electronics and have the references on the screen and all that, you know, just click, you know, and I wouldn't have had to page through a Bible and all this. But I love, I, I enjoy, I like it when people are paging through the Bibles when I'm preaching and they're writing notes, you know, good old-fashioned kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but it gives you a working knowledge of Scripture. It gives you a working knowledge of the Bible. And so... I think that's, um, that's just really, really important. Well, the, God's Word, God's Word, as, and, I, and I believe God's Word as we know it here today, will stand forever. What, we, what you hold in your hands in your Bible is going to continue throughout all eternity. And there's actually an interpretation of the book of Revelation where, where it talks about the books being opened and people judged by the books. And some people feel those books are the, are the books of the Bible. The 66 books of the Bible will be judged by those books. I'd just like to read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up here. I'd like to read uh, just these several verses here in, um, in uh, Isaiah chapter 55 in closing. I'm going to read verses from verses 8 to 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from, and the snow from heaven... And returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud. So shall it, so that it gives seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, void, unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. The devil will do anything to keep you from experiencing what these verses are promising. 
And he's a master at that. When you find yourself struggling to find time with God's word, it's probably, it's probably the devil doing something. I think he can even, sometimes I think he can even arrange my schedule to do that, you know. So keep me from the, keep me from the Bible. So he'll do whatever he can to, to make that happen in your life, not, not have time for the Bible. So it's important. Let's make the Bible a priority for you children here this morning. God bless you on this special Sunday, a Children's Day, and God bless you for coming up twice this morning. <laughs> coming up twice this morning, and uh, and certainly we um, we enjoy having children in our churches. We enjoy the children, and um, so God bless you in that. Let's kneel together for prayer. Thank you, Father, for the day you've made, the blessing of your day and the blessing of gathering, the gathering with your people, the blessing of your spirit in our midst. And uh, just thank you for the children here this morning, and we pray your blessing with them. And I pray that every child that is here this morning would grow up to love you, to be obedient to your word, to have a, to have a desire to read your word, to study your word to have a desire to have a working knowledge of your word, and we pray that you would uh, bless in that, bless the parents as they lead their families in that way. And we just thank you again for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.